This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You were live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here. I've got uh, fellow app enthusiasts, Graham Williams and John Beeler. Thanks for hopping on the show. Always glad to be here. So we're talking about a lot of cool things today. We uh, will be chatting about Uber. Uh, not about Vancouver Uber, but Uber in the airports. Oh, Yes, they're making it easier for people to get Ubers at airports, and uh, they're trying something new in Toronto. Uh, we will also be chatting with our good friend Igor Bonifacic. He is now with Engadget.com. Oh. He's moving on up. Congratulations. He's going to be talking about a new TV coming from OnePlus. A, a TV from OnePlus? Yes, the smartphone manufacturer. Wow, like, like a, a TV-sized TV, not like a smartphone-sized TV. <laughs> yes. Yes. Congratulations to them too. Well, it's interesting because, you know, when we think of TVs, I think us older folks think Sony, Samsung, Panasonic, LG. Zenith, mostly. Zenith. RCA? RCA still around. Mm, yeah, not so Kind much. of at Walmart. Uh, but the Chinese, they're kicking everyone's butts now. Well, this is kind of the pattern that it's taken, right? Because yeah. there was the great American television. Yes. And, you know, and then there were the cheap Japanese televisions that yes. nobody wanted. And then there were the great Japanese TVs. And then there were the cheap Korean televisions that no one wanted. And now there are the great Korean TVs, and there are the cheap Chinese TVs that nobody has wanted, and now we're stepping into the era of great Chinese TVs. That are great and cheap. Yep. Yes. So we're going to find out about a new manufacturer called OnePlus. Some people might know them from the smartphone world. They're making TVs, so we'll be talking about that as well. I'm looking forward to the terrible Latvian TVs that we move on to next. <laughs> yeah, we're never going to see those. Uh no disrespect to Latvians, but I just don't think they're into the TV manufacturing We're getting into business. holography next. So. We'll also be talking about our Hot 5 app countdown. This week, it's the Hot 5 apps to help you go paperless. Remember the paperless office? Remember that dream? No, we're gonna, I, we're, we're no gonna I don't. Make, no, no, no. As we're holding up our pieces of paper for our show rundown here. Uh, we're going to show you how to live that dream. But let's talk about some of the news right now. Uh, this is an interesting one out of Japan. Mobile penis flashers are on the rise. Pardon? What does that mean? Mobile penis flashers are on the rise. So many hidden meanings in that statement. So this is kind of interesting. It's, it's mostly for iPhone users. Yes. There's a feature on iPhone called AirDrop, which allows you to easily send files to other iPhone users just by kind of dragging and dropping them from your photo library or your documents. In Japan, on the subways, this feature has gone... The wrong way. So there's perverts on the subways. Well, they call them perverts. Japanese perverts. Uh, I think they're called chickens. Chickens, chickens. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Okay. Uh, they basically use the airdrop feature and send pictures of their penis to unsuspecting people on the subway train. So, so this is really a horrible abuse of a great technology because what airdrop's actually really cool, right? It uses yes. a combination of Bluetooth and Wi-Fi to send these, you know, files or pictures of or penises contacts <laughs> yes. uh, to other users without using cellular data. So it's actually like it's really popular if you go on vacation with friends and things like that. You take a bunch of pictures, you can airdrop videos and pictures very, very quickly. Now you've got a lot of control on how this feature works, right? You can set it to not receive pictures from anyone, so therefore you will not 
receive penis pictures. Yes. Uh, you can send it from your contacts only. So, so only won't... the people you know can airdrop stuff to you. <laughs> Very familiar penises. Yes. Oh, I know that penis. <laughs> okay. And then there is the everyone feature. I don't know that penis. And the stranger penis. Yes. Um, so, so I was actually, I was houseboating this weekend. I did not receive a penis picture, but what I did receive was an advertisement. What? Someone airdropped me a note uh, for a local restaurant which I thought was a hilarious use of the technology. One of your friends sent this to no, you? No, this, this is actually somebody in the area who I think is basically looking for people as they pull into this into Sycamus, this tourist town. Hyper-local advertising. But this only works in a 30-foot radius. Yeah, so as I was coming through this small area, somebody saw me and dropped me a, uh, dropped me a file. Penis-free. Yes, <laughs> 100%. I mean, so, I mean it's, a, it's a bit funny because airdrop can be a bit of comedy with your friends. Um, a lot of people have been sending uh, pictures of back porches to each other. That's an unsolicited deck pic. Um, we've seen... A <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. So uh, there's a lot of those. So uh, not even case, a dad. <laughs> no, I know. So we've got this going on in Japan. I mean, are there any sort of stiff penalties that these people can face? <laughs> Will they do hard time? Stop. Stop. Okay. We should point out, this does happen on the SkyTrain as well. Does it? It does. It, it's happened to me, actually, when I commute home after the show. Sometimes people on the train. Usually it's a meme. It's not a penis. Yes. Um, but it's a very common thing that people do. They'll, they'll send memes to each but, other. But across. it shows you the username. Not always. It's no. not always it, obvious. It, it shows you the phone name. So you can right. name your phone just about anything. Penis sender, right? <laughs> Chicon. Chicon, yes. And and so So this is happening on the SkyTrain. I didn't yeah, know, I didn't yeah. know this. Yeah, this happened to me like a couple of weeks ago. And you got a, a a meme. I I declined to receive whatever was but being sent. But didn't you have a little thumbnail? Yeah, but it was tiny. I couldn't quite tell what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So anyway, in Japan, uh, they have a lot of people using iPhones there. I think it's over forty one percent of people use iPhones, which is Pretty high. So anyway, this uh, 37-year-old uh, guy who sent a picture of his penis unsolicited to another subway rider, they got him. I don't know how they got him. Probably all kinds of geolocation data in that photo. That's a good point, because you are sending it with full metadata as well. So have you decided to take the picture of said penis in a location that is familiar to you, perhaps your home? <laughs> uh, it would have your metadata attached to it. Huh. It's, it's a little weird. Okay, let's move on from penises to mobile gaming. <laughs> mobile gaming? How much do you think it's going to be worth? How much do how much you think it's worth now? I'm going with billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. yeah. 68 billion. Oh, wait, sorry. At the end of 2019, the global gaming market is estimated to be worth 152 billion. That's the entire gaming market. 45% is 68.5 billion from mobile gaming. So this is something to consider, right? 68 billion dollars from iPhone games. So Nintendo and, and Android Atari games. and they, I mean back in the 80s, they grew this industry from just about nothing. And starting in 2007, Apple essentially created the mobile gaming environment, right? With the App Store that came along uh, with the first iterations of iOS. And in that time, it has nearly encompassed half of the gaming revenue. Right? We have seen developers make tons of money. We've seen tons of new games. And so now both Google and Apple are launching their game subscription services later this year. Apple's got their arcade. Google's got uh, Play Store something. 
And anyway, it's, it's you know, $5 a month, it looks like, for access to some premium AAA games. So let's look at the numbers here. 33% of all app downloads are games. 74% of all consumer spending on apps is on games, mobile games. And 10% of all time spent in app is on games. So I know for myself, I tend to avoid games that have in-app purchases. Uh, because I usually like to buy the game once and be done with it. Now that said, if a, if a developer has an in-app purchase that doesn't really affect the gameplay, like a you know a different skin for your character, I don't mind buying those as a way of saying thank you if I've had a free game. It's the ones that have these... Uh, Smurf berries? Yeah, the Smurf berries and the keys and the gems and the Candy Crush tickets. That's a hard pass for me. So It's interesting though. But, but it's worth billions. Billions. A game like Fortnite, for example, which you would think would be normally played on an Xbox or on a desktop computer, is extremely popular on mobile devices. And I remember when I first started playing Fortnite and they launched their iOS app, they made like $300 million in a month. And it's just the cosmetic in-app purchases. Yeah, because you could play the game for free. The game was completely free to play and it was just people wanted to have a cooler looking character. So they made $300 million on literally nothing air and, and so this actually goes back to a company out of uh, washington state called valve they had a game called dota 2 that was one of the first games to really monetize the idea of cosmetics and games because we were sort of at that point where developers were spending a ton of money developing these games they'd get that initial rush of cash right off the bat where people would buy it and then nothing so the idea of microtransactions sort of came along um you know I think it was Elder Scrolls for Oblivion on Xbox that had this $3 item, which was armor for your horse, which was just a cosmetic. <laughs> People were up in arms about this. Why would I pay $3 for my horse to look different? And nowadays you've got people dropping 20, 30 bucks to have you know, a, a special skin so you can look like Thanos or something else like that in different games. So interesting to see that we are willing to to pay for this stuff, but the one thing that we are seeing, especially with games like Fortnite, I play a lot of Destiny 2, and Destiny 2 is actually gone in this direction, where they have tons of cosmetics available for you, as well as tons of free stuff that you can earn in-game, but what they've said is that this actually enables them to continue to develop the game, so that you've paid your 60 bucks for it up front, maybe you paid for... Uh, oh, you're believing that that's that altruistic... Best. Oh, it helps us develop the game. Yeah, because well, they're making billions of dollars. Well, they are, but they're putting out tons of really great content as well. Destiny 2, I mean, came out about three years ago and still has new stuff almost every other week. Um, this fall, it's actually going free to play and again, supported mostly by those cosmetics. So something really interesting to see. I'm curious to see how, they, how well they do. They've separated from Activision, so this is a big play for them. And Battle Passes is also another way those developers can sort of have a subscription service where if you pay a nominal fee like in Fortnite it's about $12 Canadian and you get about three months worth of content above and beyond the free game level that includes these free cosmetics but also other challenges and other little side questy type things we're gonna have to take a break here on the app show when we come back we're gonna be talking about Uber at airports you don't have to have an Uber account to use them at Toronto Pearson Airport we'll tell you how that all works you listen to the app show here on the course radio network back after this you are back with the App Show. We've got uh, myself, Mike Agarbo, and also Graham Williams and John Beeler with me today. Before we get to our next uh, topic, which is Uber at airports, let's get our tip of the week. iPhone tip of the week. Unleash the power of your iOS device. What do we got, Graham? So one of the things that I really love about my iPhone is when I can actually 
stop paying attention to it. You know, you go out for dinner with someone, you go to a show, you wanna actually be present in the moment. So do not disturb is an incredibly cool feature to use, but there are advanced do not disturb features. So what this does is it lets you turn on do not disturb for a given amount of time. So say for example, you're going out for dinner, you can turn it on for an hour or you can turn it on until you leave a specific area or until an appointment ends. So the way that you do this is uh, go into 3D Touch. Use 3D Touch, press a little harder on Do Not Disturb, and it will actually give you all of those options for that. Now, you can do this on your Apple Watch as well. When you swipe up and you press and hold, again, 3D Touch on Do Not Disturb, you can choose one of those advanced Do Not Disturb options so you have a little bit more control over how you receive notifications on your phone. Very cool. Before we get uh, to the Uber story, uh, talking about the Apple Watch, really cool app I use all the time is uh, pay by phone here in Vancouver. Pretty well all the meters and, and parking lots let you pay for your parking using this app. I was in uh, a meeting and I got a little alert on my Apple Watch saying my parking was about to expire. So I was actually able to extend the parking time from my watch instead of me having to get my phone out and just disturb the whole meeting, which is cool. I like that. It's pretty cool. Okay, let's uh, talk about Uber. Uber's uh, big in the news here in uh, BC because it's almost here, kind of. We hope. But let's talk about Uber in airports. Uh, Very popular there because it's, uh, in many cases, uh, cheaper to use an Uber from an airport to get to where you're going. In Toronto now, they've taken it a step further. And I kind of like this. They've got a kiosk now that you can go to and ask for an Uber and just basically swipe your credit card so you don't have to have like an Uber account. Interesting. Which is kind of cool. I like that idea. I mean, because basically you don't have to install anything on your phone. You can just walk up and use it. I wonder if there's going to be a big line to use that terminal. I I bet there will be. But I see... I love Uber, and I think about Uber, you know, when it comes to Vancouver one day, that this would be great for my parents, because yeah. they're getting older, and one day they're not going to be able to drive. But then I'm thinking, how are they going to get an Uber? Because they've got to go onto the app and into their phone, and it's, it's not super easy for people that aren't as technically savvy. So I love the idea of this airport Uber that you don't have to set up an account or anything, as long as you can use a touchscreen and swipe a credit card, you can get an Uber. This was actually something that I ran into the... Jeez, it's got to be a couple of years ago now, but I landed in Las Vegas at McCarran Airport. And it was at that time, I didn't have uh, the room like home with Rogers. I was swapping SIMs. Um, and so I had set up my Uber account with one telephone number. I'd swap the SIM. I go to log in. It needs to confirm my telephone number and it starts sending texts to my Canadian number. I couldn't actually log into my account. So you can imagine you've got folks who are traveling to Pearson from all around the world, could run into the same problem, right? You can't get the account authenticated. Perhaps you don't have a payment method that's valid for Uber here in Canada. Um, So you've got, again, your credit card, great. You're able to swipe that and get going. Smart little feature. It does feel a little weird though, because I mean, like what's the next step? You're able to step out into the street and hail an Uber and then pay with cash. No. Starting to feel familiar here. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like a taxi. <laughs> well, I, I like this. It just makes it simpler uh, for, for people. And so this is the trial in Toronto Pearson right now. They've got a, uh, a few of these kiosks, uh, apparently. It's like a 32-inch monitor, and it's got a 10.5-inch uh, uh, iPad Air to you know, do all the uh, transaction part. But uh, you know, from what I've seen as far as the screenshots and stuff here, it looks stupid easy to use. You just got to put in your address that you want to go to, uh, your name, phone number, and just 
pay by credit card right there. It, it also makes me wonder how in Vancouver at YVR, how are they going to handle ride sharing? Because, <laughs> you know, when it gets launched in other cities, I've seen typically they're not allowed to drive right up to the front or you have to go to some special zone or something like that. I'm just, I'm really curious to see what their plans are for YVR. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually optimistic about YVR because they're probably one of the most uh, forward-thinking airports really in the world right now, so... They are, except for when it comes to picking people up and dropping them off. Oh, yes. this is true, yes. Right, because it's just, we've got this amazing yeah. airport with beautiful waterfalls, and there are, like, bridges over, like, little lagoons and things. Yeah, Aboriginal art. It's it's gorgeous, yeah. And you go to pick someone up, and there's, like, 10 feet for 400 cars, and you just keep circling and circling and circling. Well, and I know they're redoing the whole parking lot there, so hopefully there's some sort of system to... Yeah. Hopefully they've got an eye towards it. Now, one of the interesting things uh, I found with Uber is being able to rate your driver after the fact, being able to tip them after the fact. So with something like this, I'm curious, maybe do they print out something that's got a QR code? That'd be hugely popular with seniors. Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. No. No, that is not happening. I I don't think so. But I I would just be interested to see if they can make this um, easier for um, seniors in homes, like in their homes that aren't as savvy with their smartphones. Like the Uber app, you know, for me it's simple because I've used a million apps, but I could see how it's confusing for some people. Especially for the first time. Yeah. Right? So I think that's really good that they're trying it at an airport as well. That makes sense. You're coming to, you know, a foreign country. Maybe you don't have Uber in the country that you're coming from. Why would you have an Uber app? Right? So, but also I guess it's also the awareness of what Uber is, if that's the case too. Yeah. So, uh, no word from Lyft if they're doing anything similar uh, with that, but uh, we'll just have to basically wait and uh, see. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, it's the Hot 5 app countdown. We're going to be talking about the Hot 5 apps that will help you go paperless. It's kind of exciting. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. It's that time. The weekly app, Hot 5. This week, the Hot 5 app countdown is all about going paperless. I know there was the dream back in the day, as we're all holding our papers here in the studio, Uh, but one day that dream might come true. So let's start off with number five, uh, Wonderlist. Yeah, Wunderlist. So uh, I've been using Wunderlist for a really long time and had stopped for a while, but I'm actually really excited to see this. They've just updated it a couple of weeks ago. So if you use lists to keep yourself organized, Wonderlist is a great free app that allows you to make lists and collaborate on them with others. Uh, Using Wonderlist, you can set due dates and reminders to get things done. You can assign tasks to other users. You can create folders of lists and a ton of other things. So it's a very powerful list app and it can be synced across a number of different devices to help you stay organized. Very cool. Uh, Number four, this uh, is an app that's been around for many, many years, Evernote. Right. This is a very popular note-taking app that makes it easy to take notes and store them across all of your devices. Using Evernote, you can create digital notebooks, add tags to notes so you can find them really easily, create lists, and share all your notes with other users. Very, very cool. Number three on the Hot 5 app countdown this week. We are talking about uh, apps that help you go paperless. This one's called Tiny Scanner. Available for both Android phones and iPhones. Uh, they've got free and premium options. It's uh, an app that allows you to scan and digitize actual physical documents and, and even things like receipts using uh, your smartphone. So scans are saved to your device as images uh, or PDFs and can be batched together. Tiny Scanner also lets you scan to Dropbox, Evernote, Google Drive, and you can also email or send scans directly to a printer. 
Very cool. Number two, we're going to go back to John, and this this is a, a no-brainer, Google Drive. Yes, this is easily my favorite cloud-based service. Um, it's a cloud storage service that's available for free with a Google account. That's all you need. Um, and you can uh, download the app. There's a Drive app specifically for this that allows you to access and manage all of your files available for both Android and iOS. It's also available on your desktop computers, laptop computers, etc. I love it. Um, even the rundowns that we're talking about that are printed were all created in a Google Drive document that we all shared, which we could be looking at, but we chose to print it out instead. That's my fault. Yes. I don't know why I like having the printed copy. We're supporting BC's pulp and paper industry. Yes. Right. I don't know if we're reducing our carbon footprint, <laughs> uh, but it is what it is. Okay, number one, and I use this one all the time, Graham. It's called DocuSign. So DocuSign, this is available for Android and iOS. There are a ton of plans that are available, including a free plan. So you can sign and send documents electronically by creating a personalized signature right on your iPhone or iPad or Android device. So this works with a range of files, including PDFs, Excel files, Word documents, images. It opens attachments directly from emails and cloud services like Dropbox, Box, Google Drive, Evernote, and Salesforce. Very cool service. Now, can I tell you one little secret? Okay. If you just need to add a signature, have you used markup in iOS? No. So you can actually take a picture of your signature in markup. Okay. And then it will actually be there available for you. You'll be able to add a signature and you can drop it into any PDF at any time. So if you need to sign a document. Whoa, whoa. step back. Where's markup? So when you open up a uh, file or a document in mail, you'll see a little circle with a pencil inside. You tap on that, that turns on markup mode. You can mark it up with uh, highlighting, with markers, with lines, and then there's a little signature button. You drop that down, choose your signature from there, you can add your signature in. I actually use the preview app on my Mac. Yes. Because you can actually sign your signature on your trackpad. Okay. And store it. And then you go into a PDF document that you have to sign, open up preview, you click on the little uh, insert annotation and there's a signature thing. It actually will show you a little thumbnail of your signature and it'll drop it down and then you can scale it and put it in. You hit save, you've got a PDF that's been signed. So this is actually the same feature that is synced across iCloud. Yeah. And so you can sign it using the trackpad or you can write your signature out, hold it up to your camera, your eyesight camera on your Mac or take a picture of it on your phone. Yeah, it's very cool. I didn't know these other ways. It is one of the coolest little hacks on a Mac and an iPhone that I have used. I actually signed for my mortgage with this. I think I did too. (laughs) No, I've been using DocuSign, which honestly is fantastic. Oh yeah. Yep. It's free. I don't know why you'd pay for it. Maybe there's some other features that. Well, it's a very common way for signing legal documents. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, for the TV show and stuff, we get a lot of products in for loans and stuff, loaners, and we have to sign all these loan agreements and stuff. And it's just made my life three million times easier just to be able to punch that document to DocuSign. And then uh, I've already got my signature in there. I just signed it on the screen and it's saved there. And it just knows where it needs to be signed in the document. And it just kind of drops it in, in. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, that's definitely something that DocuSign has over the the solutions that Graham and I were talking about. Because as the person that's creating the document, you can actually specify where Mike needs to sign. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we still have a few more apps uh, to talk about. Uh, We also will be chatting about a new TV, a smart TV made by OnePlus, the smartphone manufacturer. They're getting into TVs. And we've got Igor Bonifacic from Engadget.com to tell us all about it. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back in a moment. 
You're back with the App Show. Mike Eggerbo here. Got uh, John Beeler in studio with me today as well. We've got uh, a great guest on the line. His name is Igor Bonifacic, now with Engadget.com, one of the premier tech sites out on the internet. I don't even know how we got him on the show, but uh, we went through his agents and were somehow able to uh, secure him for this interview. Thanks for joining us, Igor. Thanks for having me, Mike. How's it going? Good. It's, it's always good when uh, your agents will give you away for free as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I want to talk about TV now. Uh, TV is increasingly becoming uh, an app world uh, as well. And interesting, interestingly, uh, there's uh, a consolidation as far as the different TV manufacturers out there. I think we used to know the names Samsung, LG, Sony, Panasonic. Well, that's changed dramatically. The Chinese now are the biggest TV manufacturers in the world. Uh, one of them would happen to be TCL. There's also Hisense. And now it looks like OnePlus, the smartphone company, is getting into the game too. Does this make sense, Igor? Uh, not many people even know what a OnePlus phone is. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, I feel this could be a recipe for disaster if only because, you know, more so than even smartphones, the like margins on TVs are razor thin these days, right? And a part of it is those Chinese manufacturers you mentioned, like, you know, TCL, it's ridiculous. You can pay like 400 to 500 Canadian, get a 55 inch uh, QHD TV with HDR. um, And it's really hard for, you know, the Samsungs of the world to compete. So, why do you think they're getting into the game? Uh, so what Pete Lau, the CEO of OnePlus, has said is, you know, they kind of see this more as it's not just a TV play. It's a smart display uh, play as well, right? And so what they mean with by that, if you've used kind of the Nest Hub recently or the Lenovo smart display, it's this device that not only does it have a display, but it kind of tells you about your day. You can, you know, check for recipes and it'll give you reminders and he's like, that's where the you know, all of this is going towards is more smart displays in your home. And this is a way for us to get in through it for a way which people like really like, right? Like it's the TV, everyone has a TV, right? And so um, I think from that perspective, it makes sense whether it's all going to like, like the stars are going to align for OnePlus. I'm not so sure. Well, it's interesting. Uh, so OnePlus phones uh, have really made... Uh I guess a splash over the past few years. They were first available only in China and then only online, I guess by invite to buy them. Now, a little more accessible here in uh, North America, but I guess their whole value proposition has always been uh, you know, flagship specs at uh, lower prices. And I guess we'll probably see this in the TV as well, Igor. Yeah, and you know, it should also like, well, okay, so let me just take a step back. You know, um, what Pete has said is it's, you know, not going to be, quote, half the price of the TVs, right, uh, currently on the market. And he specifically compared it to Samsung and Sony. Uh, he said there'll be less. Uh, how much that means, whether that's like 100 or $200, uh, I'm not sure. And he also said, you know, like part of what's allowing them to do that is this, you know, partnership that they've signed with Amazon. And again, he didn't detail what that partnership means. But I assume, you know, if you do buy a OnePlus TV, what it'll mean is like, here's Prime Video pre-installed on your OnePlus TV. Um, you know, it's it's different, right, though, because it's like a different market, right? Like, um, I think people have kind of gotten used to spending 600 to 700 dollars every two years whether they're kind of willing to you know 
spend that much for TV. I'm not so sure. What about the fan base? I mean, AJ on our team, he's a huge fan of One OnePlus, and he loves his phone and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of people tend to buy a Samsung TV to go with their Samsung phones. Like, they just sort of buy into that ecosystem. Do you think that might come into play as well, or at least that's what they're hoping for? Yeah, so certainly one of the aspects they've talked about is that it's going to have, quote-unquote, deep integrations with your um, OnePlus smartphone. And so one example Pete gave was, like, you'll be able to input text through your smartphone on the TV, right? Now, the thing about that is there's other manufacturers that offer this, you know, like uh, the most easy example is like the NVIDIA Shield. Um, Whether like, again, like I'm not quite sure if those are necessarily gonna translate, right? Um, I'm sure like there are those very dedicated OnePlus fans who are like, oh yeah, totally. Like I would love to have a TV by this company. Um, but I think, you know, like, again, with the TV market, so much of it is about, like, just cost, right? And it's like, does this have the feature set at the right cost? Well, it's interesting. So uh, OnePlus, the smartphone manufacturer, we're talking about them right now. They're getting into TVs. They're partnering with Amazon. So, you know, obviously, it's going to be some type of smart display, obviously, with Amazon Prime Video. From my understanding, it's only being launched in India first. Is that correct? Yeah, and they said the part of that reason is just they have the partnerships in place, uh, the content partnerships, that is. So that's kind of interesting when you think about that, right? So, like, there might be certain, like, channels pre-installed onto the device, um, and we'll see how that, uh, you know, uh, takes shape in North America. Would would you get one? Like, if you had to buy a new TV, what's your your deciding factor, John? Uh, uh, You know, man, like, it's... It's the worst time. It, it feels like it's always a terrible time to buy a new TV, right? If only because, like, just around the corner, there's something new, right? With these TVs, um, the thing they've said about it is it'll be a QLED panel, right? And, like, right now, the new hotness is all about um, OLED panels, right? Like, the uh, I'm not sure if you've used one, Mike, but the new LG TVs that have OLED panels are like spectacular in terms of like the blacks and just the thinness of the display, right? So it feels like if you go down this route, yes, it might be a bit cheaper, but like there's like so much out there in terms of options. I I typically go for the price. You know, you get the good deal on Black Friday, Prime Day. There's so many... But the the brand name has to figure into that somewhat, right? You have to... Well, you, you, yeah, you wouldn't go for the lowest. It can't of the, be Joe's TV. No, yeah. but you'll look for a brand that you recognize. Yeah. Um, and you find that sweet spot, you know, with the price, the discount, that kind of thing. Um, I don't upgrade very often. Yeah. Because uh, I have a lot of TVs in my house I don't need. So I, I worry, though, uh, you know, sure, OnePlus is a, a recognized brand name in the smartphone market to, to some folks. But I remember back in the day, remember Hewlett Packard came out with TVs? The HP Media Smart TVs? Yes. Oh, I bought into that dream big. <laughs> we bought like I think five of them for the office, and that dream died. Yeah. Those were horrible, horrible TVs. I'm I'm hoping OnePlus can do a better job here. Yeah, and I will say, you know, so one of the things we've heard is that it'll be the panels will be sourced from Samsung, right? And so um, that is something you're kind of seeing in the space is that like there might be different brands, but more or less all of these manufacturers buy from the same like one or two manufacturers, which is LG and Samsung. So you're basically buying a Samsung or an LG TV, even though it's coming (laughs) from a Chinese manufacturer, essentially. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Igor Bonifacic. He is now with Engadget.com, a fantastic uh, website for uh, all your tech news needs. Igor, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. 
We're going to have to take a break, but when we come back, more apps to talk about here on the App Show. You're back with the App Show. We've got a couple more apps we want to talk about uh, before we get to our favorite app of the week or John's favorite app of the week. I don't know how you scored that. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go and do Game App game app of the week won't be god graham he gets it because he writes the notes <laughs> oh there we are yes so the game app of the week is pokemon masters so this is available for ios and android it is free but with in-app purchases back to those in-app purchases again so this officially launched this week it's the newest title in the pokemon franchise and it is about teaming up training and challenging famous trainers from the pokemon franchise so this is very much more like a traditional pokemon game rather than pokemon go maybe sort of pokemon stay Pokemon State. So it's not like you're out in the world, augmented reality. It's just like the traditional Pokemon. You're traveling through the Pokemon world, training your, your Pokemon up to see if you can catch them all and be the best that ever was. Ooh, yeah. Okay, let's uh, go to John's favorite app of the week. What do you got? So you've got a Tesla, Mike. Yes. Do you know where all the chargers are? Uh, I do. So there's two ways for me to know. One, uh, my car knows where all the Tesla chargers are. And then uh, I use a series of chargers called ChargePoint, and I use a, an app called ChargePoint, okay. which is good. It kind of shows me where they are, but it's a little clunky. Okay. Well, maybe this app that we're going to talk about called PlugShare, which is a free app for Android and iOS, um, it will help you find a charging station uh, across th- over 32,000 charging stations across North America. I like that. So, you know, when you're taking your Tesla down the coast, can't quite get to the t- a supercharger, have to veer off some strange place in California you've never been before, PlugShare will be your app to find those charging stations. What I liked about um, the ChargePoint app I use is that uh, it'll also show me if that charger is available or not. That's a key key point. Yes. So before I drive all the way down to one, I can see that, oh, these are not available, which I learned very quickly that's a very handy feature. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing that it can act. I don't even know how these things work. Like, they must have some sort of system or SDK for these chargers that allow these apps to know if they're being used or not. Presumably, yeah, which is a great feature and a big selling point of this type of thing. We don't have quite the same problem when we're going to a gas station. No. Uh, at least not currently. Um, that said, have you tried to pull into a gas station when gas drops by like 30 cents? Oh, God help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just sit in line, turn your engine off, you'll be there in about half an hour, 45 minutes. Which, it's funny because I have waited, you know, five to 10 minutes for a pump from time to time. And I've been involved in some, some conversations on Facebook and online recently where people are complaining about having to wait for it. They say, well, electric cars will never, never take off because you'll get somewhere and you're going to have to wait for a charger. And it's like, have you never lined up to get your car washed? Have you never lined up for gas? These things are going to happen. They're going to be a small growing pain as we get on the way to having more chargers out there. It's worth the wait. If you, even if it's just a couple minutes, it's worth the wait. It's better for the planet. Come on. Save the polar bears. Okay, that's all the time we have left for the app show. Don't forget to hit our uh, main website. It's called getconnectedmedia.com. We've got uh, podcasts of the app show and also our sister show, Get Connected. And we also have the video podcast of the program as well. You can actually see us in glorious 3D color. 3D color? 3D color, live action. I think maybe HD. HD, I don't know, something. 4K maybe. HDR? No. No, just Uh, just HD. Couldn't couldn't afford the 4K. Just full HD. That's what we've got. want to thank uh, Graham and uh, John for helping me out this week. We'll see you again next time.
You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.